everyone Orlando Haynes here and welcome to another session of career talks we had some technical difficulties but I have an amazing guest who trooped through um, and is with us tonight so I'll make this intro brief because we've lost some time but uh, Miss Jennifer Anderson is an amazing uh, career and talent coach uh, she focuses on helping folks have a more stronger career uh, as well as helping individuals reduce attrition, which really intrigued me about her, her profile. Um, so that's what made me reach out. Plus, actually, when I had a, a career change recently, she not only reached out, but she sent a personal video message that was very unique. And I was very appreciative of that for her to take the time to do that, which led me to look at her profile uh, and see there was synergy there. So I definitely wanted to speak with her and just gain uh, some amazing insight on what she has to offer. So without further ado, let me bring this amazing lady on, Miss Jennifer Anderson. Hello, Orlando. How are you? <laughs> just lovely. I am lovely. Barring tech issues, right? But we'll all get through it. We've been dealing with this with the pandemic, so it's all good. But thanks exactly. for having me on. It's so good to catch up with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me just say it on air again to you directly. Thank you again for that message. Oh, um, it, it was absolutely a standout message. It was unique in its content. And you were asking, you know, what made me switch? Um, you know, what led to the steps? And I was just like, wow, that's, I have to respond. <laughs> it took me a little while, but I was like, I have to respond because that was a message that touched me. I was like, oh, wow, this is super cool. So thank you for that. So um, share with folks um, who are watching live and those who will watch the, the, the replay a little bit more about you. Oh, goodness. Well, how far back do we go, right? You know, <laughs> it's all it, the floor is yours. Take us back if you want. The floor is mine. Oh, that's that's really a dangerous thing to do. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, uh, you know what? I love seeing people excel in their careers. And one of the things I'm just so passionate about, like, so my whole thing is stronger careers and better teams is that we can have better teams. Let's just help people have stronger careers first. And so, um, and that ultimately can lead to reducing that attrition. So in the corporate space, that's an area that I'm super passionate about. And that came about, so a little bit about me when I started my career in 1998 in recruiting, um, I, that was back in the day. I didn't even have email. We had a fax machine in our office to send like resumes to people. Frightening to think about that anymore. But, um, we, you know, I was constantly talking to companies. What can we do to help you find people? And then I was always like in the back of my head wondering, but why is there an opening? 
And and for some companies and with some managers and companies, why is there an opening again and again and again? And it's not because they're having like explosive exponential growth or something like that. There was more of a, hmm, something's going on here. Something's not quite right. Like Hamlet says, something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Hmm. And so, you know, so to me, I'm thinking, okay, something's happening inside of these companies. It's causing these openings to open again and again. And as I really delved into it and then, um, uh, really come to understand that there were issues that were happening. And so I thought, okay, instead of trying to just fix this by bringing in new blood, let's look at what are the problems and let's try to get this fixed. And so that's when I started my own consultancy in 2009. So 12 years ago. And so it's been amazing to see how, how many companies there's opportunities there to improve. <laughs> and, and I like what you said, because a, a while ago, I, I can't, you know, something popped in my head. I was like, you know, the best workforce is a developed workforce. So the answer is not always let's bring in the next new person. It's because you're not fixing the problem. Right. Um, you're, you're just replacing, assuming the person coming in will fix the problem. But if it's deeper than that, unbeknownst to them, they're walking into a landmine. They're like, what, what? This is not what you told me. <laughs> right? yeah. And they're like, oh, just adapt. And it's like, no. <laughs> Just, just adapted. This is the culture. Remember in the interview when we told you we needed people who are flexible? Well, this is an opportunity to be flexible. Exactly. Like, the, the last bullet point in the job description, ad hoc duties. This, oh, yeah. This yes. is those. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is where that miscellaneous catch-all, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So talk, talk to us about some of the things um, you found throughout, you know, that research, those conversations throughout your 12 years. And then secondly, is it still relevant today? Oh yeah, sure. So the re it's uh, the relevancy is there, and things have just um, it's gotten glaringly more and more um, obvious as well. And so um, I, the the things that I found through my research is very much in this space of. So I'll give you I'll give you the highlights, and to protect the innocent, I won't be mm -hmm. sharing any company names or anything. Sure. Um, but the as far as the main highlights around this is that there's a chronic issue of people being good at their job and getting promoted into management. And while they were in their job, they were not necessarily equipped with proper training um, or whatever to prepare them to become a manager. So there's this issue where people are then getting promoted and hey, that's okay, that's great, wonderful. Can we, can we promote? That's great. But what do we need to do to make sure that they're prepared? Um, and a lot of the work that I'm doing, especially in the tech and engineering space, you have somebody who's a fantastic software developer or business analyst, a project manager, something like that. They're very good at their technical skills and then they get promoted up and um, into leadership because they were good at doing their job. And then they get in and then they're way out over the skis. They do not know what they're doing. And then there's this whole culture of, um, we'll figure it out, that miscellaneous dot that we're talking about on the job description. Um, and so we'll figure it out or we promoted you because you're smart. So go figure it out. Right. Yeah. And that's because their boss is busy with 5,003 things on their list to do. Right. You know, and so there's like all of this kick at the can down the road, not dealing with it. And so then it starts to have these issues of that person as a leader feels 
horrible about the fact that they know they're not doing well, that they don't have anybody they can go to. There's no, there's no safe space inside the company because then they can't admit I'm failing because then they're worried about their job, you know, because you lose your job and how you make your house payment and pay for, you know, things like food. And then, you know, so there's those issues and then, and then who do they go to? And then they go home and, you know, so they complain to their spouse or family members or whatever. And like, how is that helpful? Right. You know, and so it's just like these, all of these issues. And so it just kind of, it cranks and turns around this space of, of not being honest and not really truly looking at what the true issues are. And so that's just what I've noticed. You put all of those together, it creates this perfect storm of the manager is not happy. Then their people are not happy. And the number one reason why people leave jobs as we look at different research is that they don't connect with their boss. And so, but if the boss isn't even connecting with themselves and happy with who they are, then how on God green earth are they going to connect with the people that they report or who report to them? Right. So there's like all these layers that need to get unpacked and that takes time and effort. And then meanwhile, back at the ranch, you got 17,000 emails coming to your inbox every week. And so there's, you like that small number, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just a Monday morning, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's my like exaggeration number. Right. And so, but the point is, is we had a lot of stuff that keeps, hitting us that's yeah. immediate it's right in front of our face we got to deal with it again and again and so we can't just set it aside and go deal with the issues until it gets bad enough and then that's where people like me as a consultant I come in and, and take a look and say okay what's really going on and then we start to work on let's get the people the skills that they need and they probably needed years ago on the training mm -hmm. and the coaching to help them but it wasn't there right that sounds like a, a very um, reactive management style versus right versus proactive because there's so many so many steps that were skipped in that process especially thinking someone who's who's been performing as an individual contributor can now lead manage develop train um have the temperament to even deal with people the responsibility the pressure like they skipped they went from a to z and forget all the, the rest of the letters that yeah. will lead them to that so i'm surprised that still well let me say this I'm not surprised because I came from a company in my in my background where they did just that they were promoting based on performance mm -hmm. and didn't qualify his or her leadership capabilities so they were not necessarily mature enough to handle uh, you know a team uh, didn't have the acumen and knew how to spoke and didn't understand how to have you know coaching one-on-one -on -one sessions, give proper feedback, follow up, uh, and it was it was somewhat disastrous from a cultural perspective. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's so tough to see it because it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't need to be that way. Right. And I think that there are a lot of companies that are growing and they're dealing with issues, or they could be even shrinking too, right? Or mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many different issues that are really big to the to the organization, and then you look at the leaders inside, and they're stuck in this place of how do we slow down so that later we can speed up, right? And so the slowing down to get the training or the slowing down to stop and say, wait, time out, is this the right person to promote, right? Because we can't hire somebody else. So we're going to promote somebody who this isn't a good idea, right? And so it's this whole issue of this systemic, like either or, right? That's what I mean mm -hmm. by the systemic, right? It's like, yes, or like completely opposite. And it's like, 
it doesn't need to be that way. There's a lot of space in between to make it so that it doesn't have to be so difficult. And then the other thing too, that is really funny is how often people think, oh, well, we sent you to that leadership training. Why didn't it fix you? Like, <laughs> hello, you know, yeah, yeah. like, why aren't you done? You know? And it's like, mm, no, there's like, there's a reason why we brush our teeth every day because you got to keep up with it. Right. I'll hopefully brush your teeth twice a day, but you know, but the point is, is like, you, there's things you need to keep doing. And exactly. so, and if the person is so busy doing their work, when, when did they ever get to raise their hand and say, hi, like, I, I need some help here and I need some training. And you know, that's what I'm talking about. It's so hard to slow down in order to speed up. Yeah. It's, it's like, as if once you hit mental management or above, you're expected to, and you have direct reports, right? You're expected to pour out as much as possible to keep things running efficiently and, you know, build a great team culture um, and efficiency and effectiveness in their role. But you wonder how much time as a, again, as a middle manager, um, do they get pouring back into or an executive the same way? Yeah. Uh, so it, it gets tough if, if it's always empty, 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 and we're not getting refilled uh, we have nothing left to give. It's like, okay, it's a big gap, a big gap in training and ability there. So that's, that's huge. In, in terms of some of the suggestions you're giving uh, to, to companies when you're finding these, um, these kind of root causes, what does that look like? What are those conversations like you're having with them? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> One of the reasons why people like working with me is because I'm really direct. And um, and so I've been described as like a velvet brick, right? Like it's super smooth. And you didn't even know you just got hit. It's like, whoa, okay. But, you know, I wake you up, right, kind of deal. And so um, all in love, all with love, right? When, one year I attended a, um, a SHRM conference. SHRM is the Society of Human Resource Managers. I attended the big national, you know, international conference. And I got one of the T-shirts the and it says, I love you in an HR appropriate way. And so, yes, lots of, lots of love, but I tell people stuff because they got to hear it because otherwise what's the point of me even being there. Right. You know? And so a lot of times when I'm in the company and I'm digging in and I'm having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with people and I'm doing what I do, you know, to find out what's, what's happening um, because of who I am and People, I build rapport with people really well and very easily. And so it's comfortable for people to talk to me and share with me what's going on. But then to be able to compile that information, I am not privy to the whole situation. I, I just don't know everything that's going on, right? And so as I bring that information forward to the executive, so it's like, let's say it's like a chief technology officer and say, hey, these are trends. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. And then we're getting into the conversation of, okay, well, why do you think they're not asking me this? I'm asking them, well, why do you think this is what's going on? And so it's all about like, again, further layers, right? But I can only go so far to gather a certain amount of information and then, and then say, okay, now let's look at this in context of the other things. And so, so now, so that's where again, a lot of what I'm doing is the actual conversations with people. I can't just have people fill out a survey, you know, like an employee satisfaction, you know, like there, there's so much more I have to go and, and dig in and find out about what, um, 
you know, about what's going on and to have that back and forth dialogue with the people. Um, and then from there, we start figuring out, okay, here, here are the trouble spots. Let's work on that. But also I'm really big on what is working well and how do we magnify that? And so I think that that's something that, you know, like, remember, I don't know if this happened to you when you were a child or not, but for me, when I was a kid, I sucked at math. Mm -hmm. In fact, I almost got held back for it. You know, mm -hmm. meanwhile, I was fantastic at art, really good at English, very good at history and understanding culture. But oh, no, 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 no. Jennifer's not good at math. There's, right. We got to fix her for this. Right. But I was and I remember even as a kid, I remember I almost got held back to not go to fourth grade because I didn't know my my multiplication tables off the top of my head. So this was like, you know, back in the in the eighties, the early eighties. And even back then I'm like, why do I need to know these? Like, <laughs> why, like, why? <laughs> like what's That's the big deal? You know? And it wasn't like I was being this obstinate child of like, well, I'm never going to use multiplication. So why do I need, it wasn't one right. of those kinds of things, but I just remember thinking, and because at that point I knew about calculators and I was like, can I just use a calculator? <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> Like Isn't all of us do now, <laughs> right? Like, hello. <laughs> you know, I totally figured that out in the early eighties, you know, I'm like, right. hi. And now we all have smartphones. So we all have calculators with us all the time. But the point is, is that that focus on what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong and not focusing on what's going well. And so that's one thing that I really try to do is what's going well, right? Like, how can we magnify that? How can we grow that? Because eventually some of those things can really overlap the things that are going wrong. And so, um, and magnifying those pieces of it. And that's really beautiful because then the team doesn't feel like the baby's getting thrown out with the bathwater, right? Like yeah, yeah. how many metaphors can I throw in this conversation tonight? Yeah, keep I going. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, like, like a tally mark, right? <laughs> So, but the point is, is there's good stuff. It's still there. But again, people get so myopically focused on what do we have to fix, right? Like what's right. the, you know, why can't this kid do math? We don't care that they do everything else great. Well, why, you know, it's the same thing. Why can't this manager just stop the bleed of people leaving all the time? Right. So da -da 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 -da. it's like, well, stop time out. There's other stuff that, that he or she is doing good. So what is that that's going well? Well, how can we magnify that? So that's some of the, the magic. And that's what's so lovely about each individual person is uncovering that. And that's really beautiful because then they feel as a leader, okay, I'm coming forward in this space of this is what I'm really good at. And then we can start tapping into how they're authentically really great as a leader and not put them in this cookie cutter. You have to do it this way. Got it. So you're going and tackling one-on-one -on -one conversations with leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, or their support staff. Yeah. And it's also coupled with team meetings as well. Okay. So, but yeah, but a lot of the, in order to figure it out, I have to, I have to do the one-on-one -on -one meetings for sure. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and are you tackling executives as well as middle management? Oh yeah, absolutely. Got to talk to those folks who are on org charts at the top of the heap. Mm. Wow. Are you finding major, discrepancies in the thought process. And, and here's why I ask um, random thing that I was watching today between um, Kevin Hart and Will Smith. It was something crazy. But one of the things that he said was because of the position he, he put himself in, this is Will Smith talking. He said, I've grown accustomed to not caring about my own feelings and mm -hmm. which forced him to not care about his support staff feelings. He was like, just get it done. Whatever the process, whatever it is that we have to get done, get it done. I don't care 
how I feel. I definitely don't care how you feel. So it was an epiphany. I was like, okay, he's in a, even though he's a, a you know a celebrity, there was still that management um, and staff uh, kind of line that we we go through in corporate. Like, okay, um, I've reached a certain level. I got pressure to get this project done. Uh, I don't have time to really concern myself with my feelings. I have to get it done. I have execution. I have a deadline. And how do you translate that to the team? So long way to come around to the question is, or you were you finding it, or are you still finding that amongst leaderships where they're just like, hey, this is a job, get it done, or or leave? Kind of like, hey, it is what it is. Versus yeah. trying to truly understand the human factor. Mm-hmm. I think that when I, I think that that is absolutely happening. I will say that when um, an executive brings me into the organization, they've got enough of the, hey, something's broken here, we, mm-hmm. we're needing help. And so they're, they've cracked open that vulnerability shell, right? And they're like, okay. So, so they're gonna be in that different space because they're recognizing, I, I can't figure this out. I'm needing some outside eyeballs on this, right? And so then it's, that's a bit different than, you know, the other companies. And I can actually, I can actually tell that sometimes when there's some companies who are like, yep, we don't, we don't, you know, like when I'm in a sales call situation, if you will. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, I wish you the best of luck. And I'm not saying like every company in the world needs to work with me, but it's like, if it's not me, then find somebody else who can help you with that. You know, that you, that you as an executive feel like you can resonate with because there's a lot of value in having those outside eyeballs. I mean, like for any of us who've gone through therapy, right. Or like marriage therapy or something. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not that our marriage is horrible. It's just, sometimes it's really great to get outside eyeballs on the circumstance. Right. And it can just give you another perspective. And, and so those are some of those things where I'm like, it, it's, it's okay to welcome that, you know, and to see it, but have, I have though, however, I have experienced that. I have seen leaders who are just like, sorry, I got no time for you, you know? And so then I get to have the opportunity to exercise my velvet covered brick Mm -hmm. and tell people. (laughs) So when you act like that in a meeting or you're doing, you know, these different kinds of things, that's why they don't come talk to you about anything, you know? And they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, yes, really. And I'm like, get your wife on the phone. I need to have a conversation with her. How is she doing? You know, because like, if you're doing this at work, you're doing it at home. Anyhow. So, but um, I, yeah, I've definitely seen, and I've, I've had people tell me before they're like, I kind of want to hire you to be like our team psychologist or sociologist, you know, (laughs) you know, because I'm like, nope, you know, or, and I just told me, I said, just imagine like a little Jennifer on your shoulder, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like whispering, like, don't do that. Don't (laughs) stop. <laughs> or yes, do more of that. That's right. good. Yes, individual praise. Good idea. You exactly. know, <laughs> exactly. So, are you finding that uh, based on what you said? So, are you finding that the struggle is coming more from male leadership versus women leaders? Um, I think more men are are really starting to open up. That okay, okay this is I, I'm I'm not doing a good job, and I'm needing some help. And so, but there's also, I mean, you just look on an average, there's mm-hmm. a lot more men that are in leadership positions than women anyhow. So yeah. just, I mean, so just by a numbers, yes, absolutely. Got it. So if you can share, um, 
not sure. Are, are you doing, do you have like any kind of techniques that will reveal certain things to you through your like, there, there's the, the nail on the head right there. And is there a story you can share that you had oh. a breakthrough with an organization or, and where they, they were not receptive after all the advice and, you know, um, kind of stuff that you uncovered, but like, here's where you need to execute. And did mm -hmm. you step back? And what was that like? And has there been any change? So two part question, two part question. Okay. All right. So story, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You just like gave me like 17,000 questions. My, yeah. my big exaggeration ever. Okay. So the first part of it is what am I doing to like kind of uncover this stuff? And then yeah. if I dealt with people who've liked it and then not liked it, and then what's right. been some of the aftermath, did I catch that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So one thing that, um, that I, anyhow, so I'm a big fan of making sure that you're using some kind of a tool to mm -hmm. help universally understand where people are coming from. And so I'm actually a Gallup certified strengths coach. And so I love strengths finder. I think it's a fantastic tool. I've been using it in companies since 2010. And, um, and what I like about it is it gives a common language for people to understand each other's strengths and where they're coming from. Instead of that anecdotal experience of like, Oh yeah, Orlando, he's kind of good at this. And Jen, she's the, you know, it's more of a, okay. Yeah, that's what you've seen, but this is the this is how we actually define it by using the strengths and whatnot. And uh, Orlando, have you heard of Strengths Finder? Is that something Absolutely. you're? Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. So there's 34 strengths. It tells you your top five. You can actually get the full list, but it's really a nice way to stop and focus on what's good about that person. So kind of again going back to the analogy of my or metaphor for my childhood of. You know, I sucked at math and nobody focused on the fact I was good at history. So it's the same thing instead of what am I bad at as a leader? What am I really good at? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a, a helpful tool to kind of cut through a lot of the mud and get to the focus of, you know, what are they good at? Um, aside from that, though, because, you know, anybody can take an assessment and they get the results like, Meh, OK, cool. And then they throw the book on the shelf. Right. And they don't do anything else with it. Right. And so then it's OK. But how do we leverage this? So then that's where the conversations in digging in and talking about how do, how you as an individual, as a leader, how are you leveraging these strengths or not leveraging them? Correct. You know, so when those moments when you're scared and you're holding back, you're not being as vulnerable as you could be. And I'm not talking about airing all your dirty laundry, right? But I'm talking about the vulnerability of just human being to human being. Let's connect, mm -hmm. right? And so then those are those moments um, and that's where sometimes people have a hard time seeing it for themselves. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the of the analogy. I've heard this years ago where like imagine yourself like a bottle of soda and you're inside the bottle. Mm. No, okay? never heard of it. So, so you're inside the bottle of soda. You can't see the outside of the label. Okay. Okay. Because you're inside the bottle. And so that's where sometimes it's really nice to have somebody who's outside of the bottle, not you looking at you and saying, oh, this is this label on you. Mm. Okay. So this is what people have stuck on you and you can't even see it for yourself because you're inside, you're doing your thing. Right. right. And right. so then that's where I can point those things out to people and help them to understand, okay, this is what you're not seeing. Right. And again, it's just like I was saying before, a, a new set of eyeballs on old problems. And like so, mm -hmm. so anyhow, so that really, that really helps people quite a bit. And then 
I'm a big fan in helping people to determine their personal brand to leverage that as a better leader. And so there's this whole process that I take people through this proprietary process that I've created from um, helping. And again, I've been helping people figure out personal brand for like 11 years, but without being clear on your personal brand, you're not going to know how you want to show up as an authentic leader to yourself. So if they're not clear about their strengths, if they're not clear about their brand, then to me, it's a, it's kind of like, well, no wonder it's a mess in your mind. No wonder it's a mess in your team because you're not even clear about yourself. So those are a couple of key things that I do with people. So then the rest of your question of, well, how have you gone in, figured this stuff out and then seen them not use it or seen them use it to success. Right. Yeah, and sure. so, um, and so I have lots of beautiful examples of people leveraging this for success because then the managers themselves, it's like all of a sudden they get to get out of that bottle of soda and they start to see that label for themselves and they can start to see it because they know their personal brand and they know when they're off. They know when they're not focused on making sure they're continuing to perpetuate their brand. So I have so many stories around that. And usually the the people that I see have the biggest light bulb moments around that are the ones who are in middle management who never got any training, the ones who got promoted and did well enough that they kind of got promoted a couple of more times. And so they might be like at that director level, but, um, but they're for the first time going, holy cow, I really see who I am. And then, and then it's just like, so much love for themselves and love for others, you know, and again, in an HR appropriate way, but, um, you know, so many like those, but I have definitely, I've been with companies before where they have held back and it's usually because the executives at the very top have an agenda and they're not being very clear about it. They're not being transparent about what's going on. That's that's unilaterally been the experience that I've had. And it's largely because they're positioning the company to sell it um, or to do a merger. And they don't want anybody else to know because they don't want to have massive attrition, right? Because people get wind that, oh, our company's going to get sold. Well, I'm out of here. Well, nobody's going to buy them when they don't have people to do the work. Right. And so there's some really unfortunate things around that, that happen. And in my opinion, it doesn't have to be that way that if they were, if they focus more on the transparency about what's really happening and then positioning it in such a way to help them understand who is coming in to buy them and the opportunity that that's going to be, there could be, you know, there could be potential for a, you know, a bonus, there could be potential for new jobs. There's a lot of different things, but um, usually again, it's because of the very top level. So we're talking the, the C-suite, they right. are closed lipped and they're thinking we can't tell anybody about this. And it's like, really, these are people that are making your company what it is. Exactly. Just exactly. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So share with us a success story um uh, throughout your journey and what was that impact from when it started to where it is now from whatever last time you touched base with that organization oh good question let me think try to come up with a really good one for you and we can come back to it if you want yeah no what i'm it's like again, in the, in the efforts to 
protect the innocent, right? I've got to right. be careful here. But um, <laughs> no, we won't I think give a time frame. <laughs> what's that? So we won't give a time frame. So they're like, hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So back on. <laughs> right. <laughs> In this county of this state. No, I'm, I'm just exactly. kidding. Uh, no, but I can. Um, I remember. So there's. So anyhow, so this is an example of a company where the executive who was in charge of a, of a certain division, very worried about the team, what's going on, not getting the support that they needed, brought me in. Um, and so doing all this stuff with strengths finder and the one-on-ones and, you know, all the kind of stuff. And um, as I was going along, I realized that there was a need for um, that executive and their, their, Hold on a second here. I got a phone call coming in. Um, that executive and their direct reports who um, they really needed to have time to to have almost like a like a getaway, a an opportunity to get out of their normal workspace. And they had worked in multiple parts of the country. They came together and had this really awesome offsite, as, as I think would be another way to look at it. And I helped to facilitate this, these conversations. And as I was watching the executives, they came in and there was very much one of these kind of leaning back. Folded arms. Golded arms, you know, yep. one of the, all that body language stuff of like, nope, I am keeping you, you know, not just me, but keeping each other kind of arm's length. And then you'd see the alliances, right, for some of the managers that worked really well and would sit kind of close. So we were like, I just remember this big conference table and some of them literally physically were even sitting closer together than others, right? So there's like all this body language and um, visual evidence of division and separation and whatnot. So to see them go from that to by the time we were done with the, the offsite, there was a three-day offsite, so much more appreciation and understanding for each other. Um, and then from there to see the subsequent conversations, because before that, I was actually sitting in on staff meetings and, and they were calling in because they were in different locations. Mm-hmm. And and to hear the stuff that was, you know, the way how people would like call each other out in like a really bad tone. I don't have any problem with calling. It's like, hey, so-and-so, you know, we got to work on this. Like, okay, great. You know, but I don't have problems with that. But it's more of like the tone around it, right? The, the tone and the calling out. Yeah. And to see that just go away and to see this sense of connection and family as a, as like a work family, if you will. And then to see it go from there to growing. And through that, it was, it was almost as if nobody said anything to the other people who were, who were the other layers down. Nobody said, Oh, the leaders have bonded, you know, they love each other now in an HR appropriate way. They love each (laughs) other, but um, there's, uh, but it, it just, you could feel it was like, it was like an energetic shift that because they just they liked each other more and i don't i don't know if you've ever been in this situation before orlando where like you walk into a room and you're not exactly sure what's going on but it feels bad mm-hmm. right you know yeah. something happened <laughs> something yeah exactly like, yeah okay <laughs> not sure what happened here you know but you yeah. just feel and you're kind of like 
The air is thick. Yeah, you just go like, I'll come back another time, you know, one of those kinds of feelings exactly. and you're just not sure what it is. And so it felt like that before to later feeling very much like just we're working hard and we're solving tech issues and we've got cool stuff that we're doing. And it was, you know, and it was just different to see people leaning into the relationships with each other in a much more healthy, realistic way um, without having these like crazy intense deadlines. It was like, they moved away from like recognizing their humans to they're like robots. So they have these crazy intense deadlines to like, okay, nobody's, nobody's enjoying this at all. And nobody was enjoying holding anybody accountable to it, right? And then to this space of, yeah, we're, they were actually doing better because the energy in this space was was so much better. Um, and when I'm saying energy, I'm not talking about like the like the woo woo stuff, but I'm talking about like just you could feel that difference. Like mm -hmm. again, when you walk into somebody's house or an office or something, you're like, oh, this feels good. I feel like I could hang out and be here for a few hours. I just right. instantly feel comfortable. So it went from that like really big difference. Um, and in the end, they, that team did so much better with their attrition. People were enjoying it. And I think what happens is people enjoy, so they're doing better. And then they don't start looking for another job because they actually like where they're at and they like their boss. Wow. So you said something pretty interesting there, uh, which leads me to another question is that they recognize that they're human and not robots, so to yeah. speak. So in your conversations, um, how far are you peeling back those onions? And the scenario may be like, hey, are you understanding that this team and their current life situations may be one of the hindrances that they're trying to deal with, but still perform at their work? Like as their direct manager, do you know what's going on with your team members beyond, you know, the nine to five? Um, or are you going yeah. deeper in those conversations or what does oh, yeah. it look like? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I that I talk to people a lot about is what I call the five pillars of a well-balanced life. And so if people are out of whack in one of those pillars, it's absolutely going to affect. So if you don't if you're not having conversations with people, then you don't know that these things are going on. And the five pillars um, are basically mental physical, spiritual, work finances, and then personal relationships. So relation like this is like your, you know, your family members, your loved ones, your friends, not relationships at the workplace. So if one of those five things is out of whack, it totally affects the other one. And so, so for example, if you're eating really horrible food and you're not exercising and your sleep is all out of control and stuff like that, then you are not going to perform well. You're not going to be able to get yourself up in the morning and do whatever it is that you need to do um, to to perform well at work or, you know, mentally, like if you're dealing with mental, mental stuff, and I'm not talking about somebody who is clinically, you know, determined to be bipolar or depressed or something like that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just everyday people who are dealing with stress or dealing with really hard stuff. And so when those things are out of whack. And if you're not talking to your boss about it and the boss isn't asking about it, then, then it becomes this, that's where I'm talking a little bit about like that transparency and that vulnerability stuff too. Right. So there's like this fogginess between the two people and the person who's hurting doesn't feel comfortable. Like they can talk about what's going on. And so, and it's not. And so my point in that is as a leader, don't wait until your person is not performing to then try to get to know them on a personal basis right. to say, Oh, maybe something's going on wrong at home or a health issue. Or like, that's not like, that's not fair. 
do the do the better thing, which is working on building a relationship long before. So if something bad does show up in that person's life, then you have that that synchronized trust with each other so that you can talk. And now they still there still might be a little bit of that fogginess that's between the two of you. Mm-hmm. But it's easier to deal with it and to get it out of the way because you're working off of a, off of a place of that like that platform of trust first. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of leaders are just like, well, I'm too busy. I just I can't do one on one meetings. I'm like, OK, it's going to come back to bite you. Just saying. Always, always does. Always You'll be does. a team like, oh, <laughs> Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not saying like you have to invite all your all your direct reports over for like a barbecue at your house every Friday night. Like I'm not saying like that, but I mean, you can absolutely build relationships with people, even in a remote work, you know, remote working situation, but it's, it takes that intentionality of doing it. Which leads me to my next question. You just opened it up perfectly. So um, you teed that up. So is it difficult? Is it more difficult because we're in this remote uh, model now? Are you finding that, Obviously, we know the immediate connection in an office is completely different across a Zoom call or a Teams call. So Mm -hmm. what are the are you seeing that is as that being one of the major impacts currently in this uh, in this situation that we're in? Sure. I think it is a big piece of it, because then then I've heard a lot of managers say things like, I just can't wait till we're in the office so I can just pop in on people and see Mm -hmm. how they're doing. And I'm, I'm often like, well, why can't you pop in now? Right. You know? And so sure. You're not going to get in your car and drive however far away it is, you know, but there've been people who've been working in remote or companies and teams, excuse me, have been working remotely long before the pandemic happened. And so it simply takes that effort and that's, and, and doing that looks different than the ease of just walking past somebody's cubicle. Right. Yeah. And so so now you have to be a lot more intentional, a lot more um, focused on how do you want to build that relationship? Oh, and here and here's a crazy thing. Here's just a wild idea. Asking that person, how would you like me to build a relationship with you while we're working remote? Whoa, I know. <laughs> crazy big question. I just landed out there. Right. You know, forget <laughs> but it's like that's a good one. That's true. Why? Why not even ask? Like, why wouldn't you? (laughs) You know, and so there's some of those things, too, that it's almost seems like it's too obvious of like, oh, yeah, I guess I can just ask them. Like, what is it that you need from me during this, you know, this unforeseen time of how, you know, and I'm hearing a lot of companies are talking about by 2022, we expect everybody to be in the office. Right. There's there's some Mm. of that stuff that's going on. But there's. you know, but there's a lot of companies who are like, nope, we're going to continue to do remote working. And there are employees who are like, what? No, no, please, please, please get me out of my house. Get me away from my kids. You know, like, please, I don't want to keep working from home, you know? And the other people are like, glory, hallelujah. Thank you. I don't have to do a two hour one way commute. Right. You know, and so it's all over. So that's what I'm saying. Don't have a universal answer. Like ask the people. What do they need? You know, and and this isn't just about what do they need about working remotely, but it's what do you need from me so that you feel mm-hmm. like you're getting the help that you need? So yeah, absolutely, and I can tell you in full transparency, I can do maybe one day a week. I don't like a full remote operation. I'm not in that now. I'm in the office every day, and 
right? I'm just used to that. Like you said earlier, just to pop in, to have random conversations and laugh throughout the day with your team. Um, really can't do that. You have to make it so much more intentional. And it seems like something it, for me, it can seem like work where you're scheduling and it can be a psychological um, kind of challenge for folks when you're like, hey, schedule this time on the call. You're like, oh my God, what is this about? Okay, like, do I need to put in a message? This is just a, you know, just a basic fun conversation. Two o'clock. Right. Like, yeah, oh exactly. God, why am I having a meeting? <laughs> why yeah. is there another Zoom call? Yeah, so exactly. Good. Have a code word with your people, you know, like cherry pie or something. Like, this is cherry pie. And they're like, okay, yeah. good. It's just it's a cherry pie conversation. It's a piece of pie. It's just okay. No problem. Just chill out. <laughs> exactly. We're going to kick back and kill 15, 20 minutes. Let's, what's going on? How's it? <laughs> exactly. That's How's your world, perfect. right? You put in a garden. Tell me about your garden, right? You exactly. Know? So, uh, and I wonder to, to, to stay on topic with the, uh, the distance with being remote rather and uncovering those things, do you find that, have you found yourself dealing more with, like we all go into a certain kind of mindset for the most part, a lot of people um, are like, all right, it, especially if you live alone or whatever the, the home life is for someone to uncover that first yeah. Then, right, that extra layer of like, okay, we're not even, we can't even get to what I would get to a starting point if we're in office. We're way back here on the remote side because the manager themselves is going through something. Yeah. There's the disconnect where they're not getting with the team because the team is going through something. We have to first face that. Yes. Then we're at the starting point of, you know, really uncovering what's that like? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And isn't that interesting how so often leaders feel like they can't just stop and assess their own situation? Like, yeah. you know, like I, I have to keep it all stitched up. Everything's perfect. Well, good heavens. No, that's not true. You know, and, and by showing that to your people, then you leave them no space to say, by the way, I can't start work until 10 o'clock because my morning is hell on wheels with a bunch of kids here at the house. And, you know, and so I used to be able to ship them off to school in the morning and then get in the car and drive to work. And now I got to deal with some other stuff and I got to get them set up on five different computers and five different places in the house. You know, this isn't my circumstance, but I know several people who are like this. And so, yeah, <laughs> you know, and so it's like, Oh, okay. Then. So we used to do our staff meetings at nine. I cannot be present for that. So we need to move it to 10, you know, and tell me about your house. What's the household? What's happening for your household in the morning? How's the morning routine? You know, and I think there's a bit of the the old school way of thinking of if I don't have my eyes on you, you know. then you're not working. Right. And that's a horrible way to exist. Oh, my gosh. The managing of that sucks. Mm -hmm. The working in that sucks. Right. Where it's like, OK, how do we shift away to from that over to the space of results? You know, you said something so powerful just now that it's the assumption that if we were in office, we go remote, nothing changes. Right. Nothing changes. We're it's almost like we forgot that kids are affected. Kids are home. Everyone's home. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost like, OK, if it's been an eight o'clock team meeting, it's eight o'clock no matter what. Yeah. Like no one. That's that's so powerful to to be like, okay, now let's really talk about what you're dealing with because we might have to make some shifts where it's no longer eight to five, it's maybe 10 to seven. Like, does that work? How do we shift some meetings around to where we're, we're still focused? Maybe this project is not going to work for you right now because 
you have too many distractions, let's shift it to this team member who can cover it because they're single, no kids, and can do it, you know, and meet the deadline. You have too much because you have mm-hmm. homeschooling. So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, – and I want – I would love some data around that to see – to check mm-hmm. the post to see have you ever been asked that from your manager and let it go up the chain. Okay, mm-hmm. now you we're, we're dealing with your home life now. What's changed? Yeah. What do we need to shift to still run this machine? Because the yeah. big assumption is nothing changes. You'll sure. start and end at the same time. And it's like – yeah. Well, Exactly. And if you think about companies that are international or Mm -hmm. they have international customers as well, like they've been affected as well. Right. So like it doesn't stop just with like your me. I mean, it it just keeps going, you know. So there's, you know, maybe you had calls with your clients that, you know, like look at India recently with all the crazy spread of the pandemic, you know, or or there's spreads again in, um, in parts of Asia. And so like if you if you have team members that are there or or uh, customers and whatnot, my gosh, you know, what can we do to show a little compassion to each other? Oh, again, let's start with the question. How can we support you? What's going on? You know, and so it's- That's it's, so good. You know. That's so good. Like I went through that before where we in office transition and that never came up and it never came up for me as a leader. I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. though I knew my team members, I was lucky enough to have team members that pretty much didn't have um, per se kids, but they still, were supporting their family members, their parents or something like that. Right. Uh, but the initial question never came to my mind to say, okay, hey, what shifted? What can we accomplish? Because once you're away from home, it's different, right? We mm-hmm. go to work, we're in this vortex and we're just plugging along. So that's that's so powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's hmm. Really good. Let, your, let your curiosity drive. That's what I say. Just be curious. Let that curiosity bone like just like tell me more about that. What is that, yeah. you know? That's one of my favorite questions of all time to ask. Tell me more about that, you know, as opposed to why, how, you know, it's like, just tell me more, just invite that space for the person to feel like they can talk, you know? So. And what was that? You said the five pillars of. A well-balanced life. You should, if you haven't, are you working on a book? That's, that's an <laughs> amazing book. To Thank you. Yeah, that's it, is, it is part of a lot of the stuff I talk about for sure, you know, because when I'm talking to people, I'm like, okay, you're a hot mess with stress. Let's talk about these five different things. And then I start to realize, oh, you know, homegirl over here hasn't exercised in three years and all she does is pound <laughs> coffee all day. Okay, sister, you yeah. got to you got to get some, you know, some self-care going on, you, you know. You got so. to write a book on that. You have to okay. put that out. Do you got five as long as you write that, as long as you write the intro for me. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> so what would you share um, as we come to a close, looking at the time and want to be mindful, we did start late, but you've been an absolute trooper and I love it. Um, <laughs> Yay for technology. <laughs> exactly. Perseverance. <laughs> um, what are some tips you should, you can share with organizations now? Cause you just did that, but say mm-hmm. this call was lined up of middle management and, you know, um, executives from across various companies and the platform was yours. Like, what would you tell them to look, you know, to start thinking about going forward in this current climate? You know, I'm going to take it back to that space of, listen, you know, for you, for you and your career, what do you want to be known for? 
Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so that's that gets into that space of personal brand. And I know you've had people on talking about personal brand stuff before, but um, the personal brand parts, like knowing who you are and then get clear about that as an individual. And then don't look at yourself as separate from the company. Don't do that to yourself. Mm. Instead, say, okay, if this is my brand, how does it connect to the company? How can, how can these work together? So the more that people can see that and do that, then it can really start to bring down some of that stress of like, oh, they, oh, they, the company, right? They, they, they. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, there's a lot of good here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I want to kind of circle back to one of the things that we first started off with is like, why do we keep focusing on what's wrong? What is going, what's good, right? So for you yourself as an individual, get clear about what it is that you really are trying to do with your career, be clear about the company and their goals, put those two together and it can really start to take the edge off. And then from there, you just, it very naturally, I think what happens is people connect more and they start having those better curiosity driven question conversations around, okay, talk to me, what's happening? How are you really doing? You know, what do you, what do you need? Those kinds of things. And so, but it's really hard to ask those questions if you're not clear for yourself, what is important to you too. So then that way you can also share with that person say, oh, I hear you, by the way, this is, this is what's going on in my life. Right. And so then that's when you start breaking down and getting rid of that, of that hard shell and get into that more vulnerable, transparent space. But again, I just feel like it starts with the individual first. If you don't, if you're not clear first, it's really, really, really hard to connect with other people because you're just, it's gonna come, it's like back to that wonky energy. You know, you walk into the room and you're like, what's up? Mm, I don't wanna be here, (laughs) you know. Do you do individual coaching as well? I do, yeah. Yeah, there's a small amount of people who do reach out to me who say, you know what? I'm needing some help and I don't feel safe to talk to my boss. So let me, let me get some help. And, and so, yeah, I absolutely do that. But I would say majority of my, my work is done with corporations, but yeah, if there's somebody who needs help, they can absolutely reach out to me. Gotcha. And so, um, so those folks, those, that group, they're looking more for, I guess you correct me if wrong, building the confidence to communicate with their boss versus identifying with their brand. It's more like how basically, wow. Yeah. So they're looking like, how do I tackle this? This is what I'm dealing with at work. Uh, yeah. It comes exactly. to the therapy hat on for you. <laughs> like, let's yeah. start to uncover yeah. these things. I, I used to have a fantastic red leather couch in my office, and it was always oh, like, man. okay. Lay it on the couch, you know, I'm just kidding. It's like birth therapy. No, but really, even though when I'm working with individuals, there is very much this space of, well, what is your brand? And so if the individual isn't clear about their brand, then that makes it hard for them to have clarity and courage to go do what they need to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Jennifer, for your time. Can you share with the folks where they can find you, follow your content? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way to find me is on my website, which is movingforwardsolutions.com. Awesome. Awesome. And are you accepting any kind of connections or um, just to follow your content more? Yeah. So, I mean, I have my podcast and YouTube and social media, all those kinds of things. Right. And so there's a million ways that you can you can absolutely follow me in those areas. Um, And you can get to all that from the Moving Forward Solutions website. Um, As far as connections on LinkedIn, I connect mostly with people where it seems like it's the realistic connection. I've been on LinkedIn since 2004. 
I've been um, like noted as a top 1%, you know, you know, those kinds of things. So I have a lot of connections, but every once in a while I get that ridiculous request and I'm like, what? you know, but <laughs> delete. <laughs> anyhow, like I remember once it was this truck driver that had three connections and they're in Detroit. And I'm like, I, okay. And I said, I'm like, is there something I could do to help you? Cause I'm like, I don't, I'm not sh- sure why, you know, cause I'm, I'm more dealing with tech and engineers and I'm like, yeah. okay, you know, you, you did far better than me. I wouldn't even respond to I would just delete it. <laughs> I would have just deleted it. Yeah. So everyone uh, download, subscribe to her podcast. It's the host. She is the host of today's top leaders podcast. I just did that today. So I look forward to diving in um, and kind of binge listening and learning some more leadership skills. Uh, but again, thank you so much, Jennifer, for your time and your wisdom and uh, getting through this, uh, this technology glitch. Uh, absolutely appreciated the conversation, but don't go away. I'm going to close this out with the video again and chat with you afterwards. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you. Music